there was an idea to bring together a remarkable group of Marvel Crisis Protocol players to see if they could give something more to the community. The Christmas Present Initiative. Last Christmas, we gave you the 18 days of Christmas, one for each affiliation. This year, we're doing it bigger and better. Not just every affiliation, but every leader will get their own episode. 33 leaders, one massive present to the MCP community. Hello, and welcome back to another Christmas episode. This time, I have uh, Curtis from Canada with me. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, Curtis, what's your last name? Osborne. Osborne. Okay, great. Curtis Osborne. Um, so you have been chosen to do A-Force, and you've been making waves with the ladies. So uh, want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so I uh, I decided probably six months ago uh, after I had won a tournament, I had a store credit and I went and bought She Hulk for uh, for the first time, and uh, and I've really just enjoyed playing A Force ever since then, and so uh, I brought A Force to uh, season nine of the TTS League. Uh, unfortunately, dropped my game in the top eight, but. Uh, had uh, had a lot of wins before then, and and it went quite well. So uh, I've been very excited to play A Force, and they fit my style well. So it's great to be able to talk about it. So let's dive into that a little bit. So what is it about A Force that uh, I guess how do, how do, how would you say A Force plays? Like, what's their primary game plan? Like, what are they looking to do on the table? Yeah. So for me, my primary game plan with them is being able to. Uh, play quite defensively and utilize their character throws and control that they have in order to, you know, go last, throw opponents off of points and uh, just be able to kind of win the secure game. Um, For new players as well, though, they also have quite a wide roster that has some very strong attrition pieces, uh, some very mobile models. So, you know, I play it with more control in mind, but they certainly can flex quite well into other styles if uh, if you want to pilot them that way. Yeah, I found that A-Force can struggle playing on the wide scenarios. Um, She-Hulk doesn't have the best action economy. Uh, and, it, I mean, they have some great, like, scenario characters. They have Black Cat. They have uh, Medusa can be pretty good moving people around. Angela is solid. Um special delivery as well. But even if Widow do, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like they probably want to be brawling in the middle, uh, brawling to the point where she Hulk before she dies. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, you know what? I, 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 share, I share mostly similar thoughts there. I think with A-Force, one of my plans was always... Uh, make sure I take research stations so that if my opponent has a, you know, a B or C that I don't want to play on, at least uh, research are being worth so many points, I can still have that brawly in the middle style. Uh, unfortunately, that has been uh, nerfed in the latest round of updates. So I, I think I'm going to be dragged into those wider fights a lot more than I want to be. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think the way that I run a force with a core that's more based around She-Hulk and Black Widow and Okoye, it, it does allow 
a lot of flexibility in what models can get added in uh, to be more mobile on some of those wide scenarios and kind of utilize the ability to double move character throw to flip points or rotate across sides. Um, they have more options there than maybe maybe people give them credit for. That's an interesting point uh, with the multiple twos. So we should probably get into what characters are you playing in your list? <laughs> yeah, so I'm bringing She-Hulk and Hulk, uh, Scarlet Witch, Gamora, Dr. Voodoo, Black Cat, Crystal, Okoye, Black Widow, and Toad. So I am bringing three two threats in this list. Yeah, and I've actually seen a game where you had all three of them on the table at the same time. Oh yeah, it's the uh, the greenies and the weenies lineup. I think Vince Chan came up with that. And uh, at 18 points, you can run both Hulks with Okoye, Widow, and Toad. And it's uh, it's definitely hilarious, and it works way better than it should. <laughs> yeah. I mean, feeding power to Toad is like kind of sweet, right? Or even Hulk himself. Yeah, I mean, one of the big shifts that I had, I think when a lot of people play A-Force, it's so they can bring kind of bad models with bad power economy and make them viable. And it was a big shift for me moving towards models who were already quite good and then got just absolutely broken when they had more power. Um, like when Hulk is on 10 power, Dr. Voodoo on 10 power, Black Cat on 10 power, they're just... The stuff they can do is just a bit ridiculous in this game. And I think increasing the power level of the characters rather than running ones that, you know, just barely get by when they get more power from the leadership, that's been a big thing that's helped A-Force competitively for me. That's kind of an interesting point about it. MCP as a whole, in my opinion, is that people try find try to find ways to make bad characters better when... <laughs> Usually, you could just attach that same logic to great characters, and then they become nuts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had a game where, you know, Dr. Voodoo had 10 power, and he possessed he possessed Rocket with a hammer, then possessed Star-Lord with a hammer, then threw Rocket off the point and sat on it, picked up both hammers, and it was like, all of a sudden, Voodoo was controlling the point with two hammers. You know, like it's just it's like, you know, it's borderline broken for sure. But when he has 10 power, the things he can do with it are just a bit crazy. And, uh, you know, when other characters like Hulk can gamma leap throw and still have power for a spender, um, you know, to try and stagger and throw a big model like Malekith or Thanos, it just it just is really great that that's what's happening on my team. And it's great that I can get those characters to 10 power without necessarily having to have them taking all the damage and be on their injured side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so what people looking to pick up a force, like what, what would, what, how would you sell a force to somebody if, uh, if they were trying to figure out if this is what they wanted to play? Well, look, it, the nice thing with A-Force is I, I do think to an extent it's new player friendly in that you can put characters out there and they're going to have lots of power. And 
you know, there's certain affiliations in this game where you put characters out there and they can't do all that cool stuff that you want them to be able to do. And so having a power generating leadership, especially when opponents are trying to uh, take your models out, it's, it's very cool just thematically, you know, you're punching me, but I'm getting stronger and I can counterattack harder. Um, the other thing is that there's a lot of characters. And so how I came about playing A-Force when it was new to me was I owned a bunch of characters across other affiliations. And then you realize that a lot of them are A-Force affiliated and you really just need She-Hulk to be able to play this brand new faction. So I think those things make it new player friendly. And really the fact that they have a card that lets someone fly to the middle and throw a Hulk in your face and start punching. Um, They're just a lot of fun. And so I think for new players, the affiliation list, the power generating leadership, the cool tactics cards, running a Hulk, um, even being all female, like there's a lot of things that are appealing thematically and for the game to really get into A-Force and enjoy playing it. Yeah, I really love playing A Force. Um, back when I did play them, they felt like sometimes it feels like She Hulk's like a twenty health bodyguard, but oftentimes that's enough. And maybe it is enough in these new crises because the game seems to be faster. Um, yeah, it's it's a good point, and I think you know in the past it, it took me probably fifty games with A Force learning how to not have She-Hulk just die in round two or three. Um, You know, and I I played her all through the Malekith meta where a follow me dark rain turn with Malekith and Mystique could take her from zero damage to 20 in, in basically the span of that turn. And so it helped me really develop the ability not just to add in something like a Koye or defensive tactics cards, but really understand how to keep She-Hulk out of danger, how to use throws and positioning to create space, and then use her bodyguard and aggressive combination to move back into ranges when I wanted to counterattack. And so there's just a lot of like really interesting positioning and kind of overall defensive play that you get to learn the more you play a force purely by necessity because she hulk is so much easier to kill than you would expect yeah she doesn't really have any defensive tech and as soon as she gets spiked like she's just taking a ton of damage yeah and then you know then you don't really want to be using bodyguard when uh she's on 12 damage uh (laughs) that's not when you want her taking the hits that's for sure yeah yeah it's definitely can be scary it's better than when like all you've got was around that was like a disaster (laughs) or uh (laughs) bitter rivals or anything like that but those days are behind us Um, yeah i think she's very happy that those are out of the game yeah so i've noticed you talked about uh, your your three two threats and your core being Widow and Okoye. So, do you find yourself playing like the double Hulks with a, some bunch of twos very often? Um, are there times when you switch off to like playing a more traditional team? Like I used to like playing tall teams with like Scarlet Witch, Angela, She Hulk, um, for example, or maybe even like a mid rangey team with maybe like a Medusa or 
and you said you had Gamora. Yeah, you know, there's definitely some alternate game plans. I think when I played this, I think when I was looking at some of my tournament and TTS stats, I played Hulk and She-Hulk together in about, I think it was like 11 out of 12 games. So by necessity, I think I brought a Koye 10 times and Widow about eight and, you know, Toad another three. So you can kind of get a sense from that, that I was playing kind of my greenies and weenies type lineup quite often. Um, My favorite team was on research station at 16 under the old crisis setup playing Hulk, She-Hulk, Widow, and Okoye. And it was very strong at having Black Widow being able to run around and play the secure with Okoye and Hulk and She-Hulk just going to the middle and throwing everybody in sight off of points and having, you know, between Okoye and the two Hulks, that's a lot of health to chew through. And I would, I would force that 16 almost every time Researcher came up. And then when you move into something like Deadly Meteors at 17, it's quite easy to take the same logic and just turn Black Widow into either Black Cat or I was taking Storm at the time and really taking advantage of my high energy defense and all the character throws to really be able to run that control plan. And then going up to 18, that's when you could bring two Hulks and the three twos. And often double Hulk is, is thought of in the Avengers context where you're often running double Hulk three or four wide and being able to run them four or even five wide. It often is the difference between being able to activate with priority or activate last. And when you have two characters that can throw size fours and do it reliably almost every turn because of the power generation that they have and from the leadership, it lets you almost use those twos as like passes. They can go into position, they can hold extracts and corners, Akoya can get in position to bodyguard. And as your opponent keeps activating and punching into a Koye and not having great setups at the end of the round, you simply just throw them away and score the points. And then on their activation, there's probably a lot of space between them. Uh, They're punching into bodyguards and it really neutralizes their priority and allows me to activate last and throw them off of points. And so it, it's a very, um, a much more scenario oriented game plan than I think a lot of people expect out of double hulks. Yeah. The having a bunch of bodies to just like take activations or die or whatever is, yeah. uh, is very helpful. I, I've done similar with like Sam and juggernaut with Hulk and uh, it can be very strong because you can usually just like rely on Hulk, she Hulk juggernaut, whatever to just not die uh, early on at least. And then, you can just go last with them all the time, right? And that's they're very impactful control characters and they have the opportunity to move or attack activated characters or, or sorry, uh, yeah, throw activated characters. It's very good. Well, and it's cool too when, when you get to have two Hulks on the board, it's a lot easier for one of the Hulks to activate early if you need to do a bit of attrition. 
And because I want to go last, I have no issue activating She-Hulk to try to take somebody out who hasn't activated. And then I still have my Hulk for the control on the last activation. So, you know, often when you're running just one Hulk and a bunch of small people in a control setting, you want Hulk to go last, but then potentially lose out on some of the attrition that Hulk can bring. So there's just something freeing about wanting to activate last when most of the game has been centered around trying to keep priority. And um, that's just been really effective. And definitely this game plan is inspired by, you know, how you run Avengers and, you know, how Morgan Reed kind of talked about that initially too. It just takes it almost to a bigger extreme. And, uh, and I found it just really effective and fit my play style well. Yeah. Also like Stalwart is kind of sweet, right? With that team. I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess Hulk can't play Stalwart, but uh, you know, Koi and She-Hulk playing Stalwart, it can be very good, which is cool. And, Great. Yeah, like uh, it's it's very frustrating when they can't move your bodyguards and, you know, they can throw Hulk around, which is fine, but he's the one that kind of has the action economy to get back in the fight. Um, whereas She-Hulk and Okoye being stuck in one place uh, is really important on those critical turns when I'm kind of going for the win or um, in the past trying to pin the researcher down on their evac point. Um you know, the third round on Gamma when you're trying to score the back and win out the game. Um, that's when that game plan was really good. And Stalwart is just the perfect tactics card to go along with that plan. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I guess we could move on to some, we've been talking about Stalwart. We should talk about some tactics cards. Uh, so what 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 are your, what is in your 10? So in my 10 for Restricted's I Run Brace for Impact and Sacrifice, uh, I chose sacrifice over patch up after a while. One, because sometimes She-Hulk wasn't surviving to be patched up. And two, I really wanted the characters I was bringing to spend the power on their effects and not on patch up. So, you know, I didn't really want Dr. Voodoo spending five power when he could go possess and throw someone or, you know, do what he does. Um, so then for other cards, I bring Stalwart Determination and Special Delivery. And then I'm bringing No More Mutants and Elemental Infusion for Scarlet Witch and Crystal. And then my last four cards are Recalibration Matrix, Fallback, Mission Objective, and Eyes on the Prize. So Recalibration Matrix is probably my favorite non-restricted defensive card. Um, into Malekith, it was very strong in the Dark Rain turn, but also, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, Magneto, a lot of those kind of big, scary models that can go into She-Hulk uh, very easily. Uh, Recal is very good at taking all of their rerolls and dice consistency, and, you know, when they spike eight or nine damage, being able to reset it and... Uh, oftentimes save four or five damage that would be similar to if I had a patch up available. Um, so it's, it's probably my, my most brought card outside of the restricteds and stalwart. And then um, fallback is interesting because with she Hulk, because she has an aggressive, whenever somebody tries to pull a Koye out of 
bodyguard range or pull She-Hulk out of bodyguard range. Um, her being able to aggressive or fall back gives her the ability to almost always be able to move back into bodyguard range for a second attack. And, you know, I'll say it all over again, but anytime an attack doesn't have to go into She-Hulk, it's a win for A-Force. And so the, <laughs> the redundancy of being able to avoid her getting killed is like of utmost importance. And then um, Mission Objective, I think, is just a great card and great for uh, some of the different things like uh, like Legacy Virus is still out there in the new world. But also just knowing that I'm often within range two of other characters uh, because of the bodyguard plan, it does allow me to, to hold on to my victory points. And then because I don't run Angela, Eyes on the Prize with She-Hulk is one of my ways to grab a center extract. So with her medium move, medium base, she can just run to the middle and grab something and then move back and uh, either kind of hang out in the back till turn two, or I can use special delivery to bring her back up into the fight, depending on, on what's needed there. Yeah, I, uh, I love recalibration matrix. I bring it basically all the time with Hulk and the same logic would apply for She-Hulk. Um, yeah. I even and, use it on offense too sometimes. Well, exactly. It's so flexible. And I think what it does really well is that a lot of my other cards are reliant on She-Hulk being within range two of a friend. First, you know, sacrifice or or the bodyguards that I have. And so Recal is very good when she kind of gets stuck on her own and can only rely on herself and her own power. Uh, you know, she doesn't need anybody else around. I, I need that card that will prevent a giant dice spike from putting seven or eight damage into her. Um, when you have that unlimited 20 health pool, there's no cap. Uh, you know, it's not like some of the other models where you can only do five or six damage and then they daze. I mean, I've had turns where She-Hulk has had 10 or 12 damage going into her and having recal is really, really important for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like, nope, rewind. And usually it works out in your favor. Oh, yeah. it's I, I, I take it almost every game. It's It's one of those... There's almost no situation I wouldn't take it, especially because you can use it offensively too. Like you said, if you really need to get, you know even a wild trigger on Hulk's spender or something like that. I mean, it's just a very useful card all around. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do like the eyes on the prize pick too. She-Hulk can play that card and steal midline objectives. Um, and so can Hulk as well, since you don't have, you don't have Steve Rogers. So unless you're able to get a power to Hulk, he can't midline steal, but he can with this card. And so can She-Hulk. So. Yeah, and you know Hulk has a play on hammers where he can start on the back hammer and uh, go to either side and pick up two as well. So that's another thing that can be useful. Um, I just found that my my win rate with Angela was very very low, <laughs> like kind of absurdly low. It felt like every game I was losing, I was bringing Angela to go and steal a midline extract and run away, and. I don't necessarily know why that was. I just knew it. It, it is true. Uh, you know, when she's stealing from the middle, she's not really using special delivery. And her and She-Hulk combined are 11 threat. 
and I want to be taking double hulks as much as I can. So for some reason, having that option just wasn't working. And I found um, being able to have a middle extract grab with She-Hulk, who I'm already taking every game, was just better. And then I still had options to use Hulk or Toad. Um, it, you know, those options were still available, but it's primarily so that I don't have to think I'd rather take the tactics card spot than have to bring a five threat character. Yeah, I agree with you. I man, Angela is so feast or famine. I find, um, she's not rolling well. She's just not contributing. And, uh, more often than not, I find her just midline stealing and running away to be not super valuable. Um, I don't know. She like doesn't have any control effects, so she runs away. She's uh, next round. She just like maybe moves and attacks, and if she whiffs, it's like horrible. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, it just without those control effects, what I found was if I really need to kill someone, I'm bringing Scarlet Witch, um, and the situations where. I want to do a lot of damage. I'm just bringing Scarlet Witch. She's so good at it. And she really benefits from having bodyguards around. And, you know, No More Mutants has been very strong into characters like Thanos in being able to shut down Death's Decree and uh, put some conditions on so that her and She-Hulk can really punch through characters like that. Um, And I just... I just liked playing Scarlet Witch better. And so I put in, you know, the tactic card to give me a centerline grab option. But eventually I just took Angela out because I wasn't winning with her. <laughs> it was about that simple and I was winning with Scarlet Witch. So sometimes it can just be that simple after you play a bunch of games competitively. Um, you know, look at the numbers and see what's working. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. I've had pretty good success playing Scarlet Witch, especially in A-Force as well. Uh, like you said, she's just a turret and just blows stuff up. And uh, When you're fighting on like the midline, usually uh, she can just park somewhere and just start blasting people and maybe she can protect her. Uh, no More Mutants helps a lot as well, like you said, into Thanos. I mean, even stopping like Malekith Charge for a while was really good. Probably still yeah. is good. In my, in my top 16 game in the TTS League, I had brought She-Hulk, Scarlet Witch, Okoye, and Black Widow on Gamut 15 into uh, a Thanos, Gamora, and Star-Lord Guardians team. And, you know, Scarlet Witch was able to shut down one turn of Thanos' Death Decree. And I think her first attack into him, she put an Incinerate and a Hex on him. And, uh, and then special delivery She-Hulk later on, you know, to put a slow to. So it just, I think she just works really well at those lower threats where the game plan can shift to really just trying to kill and having She-Hulk and Okoye there for bodyguard support. Um, It's kind of, it's one of my alternate game plans, but I call it kind of my bulletproof glass, which is like take glass cannons like Scarlet Witch and Gamora and then surround them by bodyguards. Uh, it's like, you know, it's like the, the guy that runs his mouth, but he's got his big friend behind him. So, you know, he can kind of talk trash, but, uh, the bodyguards are there to make sure that, uh, you know, the counterattack doesn't go into them. It, it kills Okoye instead. So, um, even on 17, like She-Hulk, Scarlet Witch, Gamora, and Okoye is a really fun lineup on something like Deadly Meteors. 
because uh, they just hit so hard and then can't really get hit back. So uh, I, I really enjoy pivoting to that game plan sometimes, uh, especially if I've had a bad day and just would prefer to take a more dicey killy approach than, uh, you know, a nice diceless control victory. Yeah, I, I feel you there. <laughs> uh <laughs> So you, you mentioned Deadly Meteors. I think it's probably worth moving on to crises now. Now, this, this for listeners, this episode is being recorded in the post-crises change world. So Curtis is going to grace you all with uh, his picks for uh, the new setups. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm, you know, take in mind, if anybody's listening to this thinking that uh, this is an area, you know, Curtis is the expert in it. He's run A-Force a bunch. I haven't run these new crises yet. Uh, I just finished the the TTS season without uh, without running them, so I'll explain why I think some of these will be good. There's no guarantee that in two weeks my opinion will be the same, but I'll I'll, I'll give you my logic at least in understanding how I choose crises for a force. Uh, so uh, for secures, I'm going with deadly meteors still, uh, the new mare fist crisis, and uh, intrusions. And then for extracts, I'm going with scrolls, uh, the new scrolls, uh, hammers, and Montessi formula. And I would just add, I would like to test uh, the new sword crisis. Uh, I want to test the revisions to gamma and see if it still works how I hope it would. And then I also want to test uh, researcher and paranoia as well for my extracts. Um, one, because Researcher promotes that fight in the middle and Paranoia kind of fits my game plan of going up and getting an extract and then bringing it by a bodyguard. So I think there could be some play there um, where I naturally want to be huddled up with my extracts. That makes sense. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know if Gamma is the right pick anymore because... It feels very much like a death zone. Like there is no way to score the game out quickly unless you maybe have like an extract that's fast. Yeah, I I agree with you. It um I love the old gamma having, you know, two hulks on the table often the amount of times that on turn 3 or round 3 I can score the back one and win out the game. Um it happens a lot. I think Deadly Meteors with She-Hulk having very high energy defense and Scarlet Witch and Storm in affiliation, I think that's still a very good crisis. And the all or nothing, I bet if I looked over the course of the game where, say, I won, you know, I won the Meteors three times and lost it once, if I can on average win two out of the three, I think it's about the same amount of points. So I, I like that. And then I think Gamma has been replaced by the new Mare Fisk for me. Um, at 16, I can run my double Hulk with a Koye and Widow. And the way it's situated, I could have a Hulk on each of the Mare Fisk points and have a Koye actually bodyguarding in the middle and protecting both of them. So I, I'm not too sure how stun affecting She-Hulk uh, is going to play out. But the idea of having a very central, secure, that's also very high scoring, 
that was the logic behind loving Gamma and Researcher and having like a very, very strong win percentage on those. Uh, and I'm hoping that logic will translate to Mayor Fisk. Uh, and it might be kind of my new favorite crises because of um, just how high, how highly important the secures are that no matter what the extract is, I think I would be advantaged if I had that in my setup. Yeah, the stun on She-Hulk does concern me. I oh Man, if I could change one thing about her, it'd be give her stun immunity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it feels really bad with her. Like Thanos is immune to stun, Hulk's immune to stun, Malachus immune to stun. <laughs> Dormammu's, yeah. or, I don't remember if Dormammu is. He might not be, but he kind of gets around it in other ways. He, he, I take that back. He's not. He's stunned all the time, actually, <laughs> uh, from his superpower. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I she's mean... just... Ugh. It's like, look, it's not great. But what I also find is that on those condensed crises, often with She-Hulk, I'm I'm just moving and throwing a, a lot more often than like she's not double attacking often the way I play her. And especially on a secure like that, I think there's a bit more room for She-Hulk um, having more boring activations where she uh, maybe shakes a stun and throws somebody off a point or, you know, moves across to the other Fisk point. Um, again, I'm not sure yet. I haven't played it. It could be terrible or it could be awesome. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of the logic behind it. And maybe the same reason why the new sword crisis might be good, because again, it's kind of a more compact setup where there's lots of points to be grabbed in the middle and on the new sword she hulk being able to uh, flip a point move to another one punch someone throw them off um, and still kind of have all my characters within a koye bodyguard range i think that that could fit my game plan quite well as well and then um the new intrusions not doing damage is just awesome for double hulks and for action economy being able to uh, keep hulks in bodyguard range, but then also bounce them around to uh, chase down extracts or or get some dazes. I think it's um, intrusions was always a, a secure I was taking anyway, and so I think I will continue doing that. Um, I want to test sword. I want to test gamma, and then. This list actually does pretty well on um, on scoundrels as well. So there are certainly some options to try out and kind of see what works best in in the new world and the new meta. Yeah, it's a little unfortunate that Terrigen got the axe because uh, yeah, yeah, I think A Force liked Terrigen the most out of anyone. Maybe Hydra lately, but uh, well, yeah, it, it, liked it. Yeah, it's too bad because I, I took Terrigen out of my list when Malekith was around and being able to kind of stand in the center and decide which Terrigen he wanted to murder you on. Um, so, you know, we only got about one week of being able to play with Terrigen with, uh, you know, without Mal too much in the world. So it's unfortunate. But if if Terrigen had the same setup as Mare Fisk and it was the poison and not the stun... It would be an absolute no-brainer to be in the list, uh, and maybe one day, you know, Fisk will get rotated out for Terrigen if they do a new pack next year. But uh, for now, it is unfortunate. I think A Force did take a hit with the changes to the secures. Yeah, I don't know. If I 
missed if you mentioned it, but the not taking damage on intrusions, I think helps helps a ton here as well. Oh, so for sure. Anytime a force, yeah. Anytime a force doesn't have to take damage, it's a, a positive, especially for you know for She Hulk um, on a crisis like that. It's definitely a big win for me. Another interesting point that uh, might be cool is if you have. I know, I know you've cut Angela, but if you ever decide to bring her back, uh, you play eyes on the prize with her. You can take your opponent's uh, scroll. The, the yeah. You know, I've, I, I kind of have written down here that testing Angela again, um, even with Scarlet Witch in the list, uh, I'm, I'm very much considering taking Toad out of the list and bringing Angela back in. Um, and maybe it isn't Toad, maybe it's somebody else, but yeah, Angela has some very interesting play on some of the new crises. And I have a feeling that her mobility and, you know, ability to special deliver She-Hulk quite far and even just some of her killiness, I think with the nerf to the point values of crises like Gamma and Researcher, I'm going to be running a more attrition or mobility focused game plan more often. And, you know, if I'm bringing 18 points in my extracts, having a lineup like She-Hulk, Scarlet Witch, Angela, and Okoye, for example, and really leading into the attrition, but also being able to, you know, grab midline hammers and get back to safety, things like that. Um, I think that could be really strong and is definitely something I want to reconsider. Um, just like with anything, anybody should be reconsidering old information uh, because we've just got such a, a large shakeup to things that, you know, I, I don't want to take anything that I previously wrote off and, uh, you know, and not revisit it. it. It's it's also the same reason that I've put Crystal back in my list instead of Storm as my three threat flyer. Um I really like Storm on Deadly Meteors and the old Gamma with two Hulks. But I think a lot of the new crises, uh, the ones that are uh, spaced five and three in that are closer to your side, like Skrulls or uh, the new Senators, uh, a long move character can get there in one move and then you know pick something up and take an action. And so I just think little things like that have now made long movers on small bases more valuable. It's made Angela with eyes on the prize that I already run more valuable. Um, you know, Black Widow becomes really valuable in that scenario or Gamora. And so it's definitely part of that. Okay. I need to go back and test things that I had previously written off because these new crisis setups are, are definitely going to favor different things or different types of characters. Yeah, I agree. Um, my list is a complete um, just a mess right now. Uh, <laughs> I have like 15 characters, like 20 tactics cards. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, <laughs> everything's a mess. Uh, but that's good. Time to develop new stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, want to prepare for LVO coming up. I thought, you know, this TTS season would be a big uh, a big testing ground. And then all of a sudden everything changed. So kind of, I know for both of us, we have a bit of a, a six week sprint here to try to figure out the new world before that event. So it should be interesting. Yeah. It'll be exciting at the, to say the least. Um, 
I did want to ask you about, um, I don't know if we talked about them really, but Gamora and Crystal. Um, I've had mixed feelings playing them in A-Force. I wanted to hear what your opinion was on those. Yeah, I mean, my my opinion so far is that Gamora came into my least amount of games and I was running Storm before Crystal. So I... I I don't want to pretend I have a great opinion on something that I really haven't played a lot of, but I think having a list with Black Widow, Crystal, Gamora, maybe even Angela here, uh, I think that mobility is going to become more important and having a long move for special delivery and characters that are a bit more punchy I think I'm valuing that over Storm, who I was previously bringing, who was really there for her character throw and her control. And so um, when I brought Dr. Voodoo as a four threat, what I found was he was taking the role that Medusa or even Captain Marvel would play of, of having that throw and being able to control. And I wanted an option at a four threat that was mobile could kind of go out to her own flank um, and be able to put some attrition into smaller characters. And so Gamora was my choice being affiliated. I I could even see this slot being something like one of the new uh, Wolverines or the new Sabretooth. um, That's like a very standalone aggressive four threat that can go off and uh, kind of do what they need to do while while She-Hulk is holding down another side. Um, but at times, too, I've just taken Gamora out and played another three threat. That was kind of my flex spot in Season 9. So um, the jury's out on the effectiveness, but I have I have really liked Gamora when I've played her and find that in that more attrition-focused lineup, she's quite strong at being able to take the first activation and, you know, save some of my later activations for She-Hulk uh, to be more of the control player. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I like Gamora. I, I probably like Medusa more, but this was all old world stuff. Uh, and in my case, like super old world, like all you've got days. Uh, but yeah, I think listeners could definitely consider Medusa. She's still pretty great. Yeah, you know, Medusa, you're right. Like, Medusa is a very good character. Um, I played her a lot in A-Force. And, you know, if if the meta starts moving away from, you know, when I was playing without Medusa, right, there was a lot of Hulks, there were a lot of Malakas in the world. And not having size 4 control, I just found it, it wasn't great. Um, she's a lot better into teams that have a lot of smaller characters that she can toss around and push is what I've found. And so um, part of, you know, the testing and the learning is like, when are these characters good and when are they not good? And if you can have a list of those and identify some of the meta shifts that are happening, well, those characters may become good again um, or at least fit the style better. So for me, I found there weren't a lot of reasons to take Medusa over Dr. Voodoo. Uh, but again, in, in the new world of you know a lot of crises where you can't have multiple extracts, 
maybe voodoo becomes less important and having someone affiliated uh, like Medusa is just a better option. Um, so I'm not totally sure about that yet, but that was the logic of thinking I wanted someone very different than voodoo that played a different role. And um, on top of that, I was also a bit concerned about um, the amount of gunline teams that could go into me like shield or Shadowland Daredevil Guardians. And so I liked lineups where I could bring a combination of Gamora, Black Cat, Storm, and Black Widow and have a lot of stealth for my backline characters. Um, So there was, you know, Gamora was a very niche pick. She was probably my 10th character, but there were a couple roles that I I brought her in where she did well. Uh, But she certainly wasn't an, an every game or even close to every game pick, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I could feel that definitely. Um where were we? Let's see here. Is there anything we didn't talk about? Well, I think, you know, you had asked a bit too about some of the the learning curves and tips around the leadership and I think I've been fortunate with A Force to go through uh some of the pain that's there. Um <laughs> you know, for, for anyone who's trying to play force competitively, I think you, I mentioned it earlier, but I think you really do learn a lot about advanced positioning and defensive techniques. It's, you know, I think in, I know in, in cybersecurity and I'm going to butcher this, it, there's kind of the, I think they call it the Swiss cheese concept of defense where you know, a piece of Swiss cheese has a bunch of holes in it, but if you line up a bunch of them one after another, you know, the places that some are solid fill in the holes and you eventually get more of a a brick looking thing. And so when it comes to defense and keeping her alive, it's not simply enough to just say, well, I'm going to bring a bodyguard or I'm going to bring a healing card or I'm going to bring fallback. It's almost like you've got to bring all of it. Um, She-Hulk needs to avoid three or four different spikes a game. And it's not just Magneto. It could be X-23 or Baron Zemo that could do, you know, five or six damage into her at a time. And so you really learn the positioning, keeping her next to Okoye, using her throws to create distance so that opponents can't double attack into her. Um, And just always being conscious about where she is on the board and when to have restraint to not throw her into the fight and get her killed. And then there's other funny little things like with Okoye, for example, um, positioning her with cover so that when you bodyguard with her, she either has cover or you're within range two and she counts blanks. Uh, That can make a big difference with you know, being able to tank one extra attack a game or even two, it's really helpful in keeping She-Hulk alive because you're you're keeping those one or two attacks off of She-Hulk or Scarlet Witch or Hulk uh, or Voodoo or Black Cat. Um, and then there's other things like you really learn the priority control and the restraint of activating control characters last. Um Often one of the big mistakes when you have a Hulk on the table is you just want them to start punching and being able to hold defensive cards and hold activations of your strong characters 
it's like a way of continuing to keep threats to your opponent that they have to think about, both defensive and offensive threats. And as your opponent keeps activating models and has less threats because certain ones have already gone, you can then put characters like She-Hulk in a bit more danger because there's not five things that can counteract endure. Maybe now there's only one thing that can punch your back. So there's just a lot of, I don't know, It's you get a lot of good experience playing A-Force with that positioning and defensive mindset and really learning that how to swing priority in times where you want to go last and times where you want to play a taller team and and go first and act with priority. So I think that's been really good for my own development as a player. And sometimes I find when playing other affiliations now, um, it almost feels like easy mode sometimes when it feels like my leader isn't just going to die if I make one mistake. And so, you know, it's been, been really good for that, I guess. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, I think that's probably everything. Yeah. 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 No, I, uh, I, I've really enjoyed my time with a force and I, I really encourage people of any skill level, you know, pick them up and try them, but, um, do it justice and try playing She-Hulk for at least 10 games before you uh, throw her back in the never again pile. I think there's a lot you can learn and get out of her uh, and really get out of the leadership. And whether it's, you know, at the highest competitive levels or you just want to have fun and bring characters that can really benefit from having more power, uh, I think She-Hulk is and A-Force is just an awesome option to bring and and I've really had a lot of fun with it. And uh, and worst case, you get to drop off a Hulk in the middle of the board and start punching things. So that's always fun too. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I would I would second that. I feel like my time playing She Hulk a lot taught me a lot about uh, the game and just like positioning and trying to you know controlling like a twenty health damage sponge. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, the action economy isn't the best either. So. You really have to nail it the first time, otherwise you'll get punished for it. So, uh, like you said, don't don't get frustrated if if you mess up a few times. But uh, She Hulk can be rewarding if you stick with her, and she's definitely not the easiest model to play. Yeah, um, no. If if you want to run a Hulk that's more forgiving, uh, bring me the original Hulk. <laughs> but uh, the benefit of She Hulk is there's a lot of cases where you can bring both. And so that's very exciting too, I will say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Double Hulk is definitely a cool a cool setup. And I have some friends who were really, really into it, even before people started thinking about it. Um, yeah, so I've been asking everybody, uh, what, who's your most wanted character from the comics? Oh my goodness. I was, I was dreading this question. I've, I've never read a Marvel comic, I'll be honest. So... Instead of making up an answer and pretending that uh, I've done something I haven't, what I really want is for the new Spider-Woman character to be an A-Force-affiliated long-move flyer. And uh, and if I was really good for Christmas, uh, would be a second leader for A-Force. Um, I won't get my hopes up, but that would be a very pleasant surprise to... Uh, get a bit of a bump for the a-force team here yeah i think a lot of that 
is there's a high chance of happening, right? Like, uh, she is on the A Force Assemble card, like she's front and center. Right. <laughs> so right? If she's not affiliated. <laughs> that's going to be a huge miss by AMG. Um, it, it would be a terrible Christmas, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what her speed would be. I, I, I could be medium long, probably. Um, so obviously, I love long movers, so that would excite me. And uh, she's got a lot of cool superpowers in the comics. Um, she's got like a Venom Blast, which probably translates to energy attacks. And she's like a spy from the comics. She's been all over the place. She's been like a double agent. Like in Marvel Champions, she's a double agent. Uh, she can take like multiple aspects because of <laughs> that part of her. She's got like her pheromones thing where she can, it's kind of like mind control sort of. Uh, so there's a lot of exciting things that could go with her. And I'm, ex- I'm super excited for her for that release obviously just for more web warriors <laughs> but well, uh we can't we can't talk about those webs on this mike we gotta focus I know. I'm, really I'm, on, I'm, on the glory of a force come on i'm bleeding but no i would love more <laughs> a force releases i feel like they've kind of got slighted uh they haven't had a release in forever it feels like and there's a whole bunch of lady characters in the game that i feel like should be a force but they're not like miss marvel or gwen or rogue or something like that Oh yeah. Yeah. Rogue Rogue would be just stupid good if she was A Force affiliated. I can maybe see why they decided not to, but she would be an auto include for sure if she was. Oh, I wish I could charge special delivery so badly. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Uh we can dream, I, right? Yeah, I uh yeah, definitely we can dream. I mean I remember when Rogue was spoiled, I was hoping she was uh she was a A Force character just for that reason. <laughs> Uh, oh. But anyway, uh, Curtis, I would like to thank you for coming on and talking about uh, MCP's premier uh, all-female roster. And uh, yeah, definitely, I appreciate being on, and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, part of my big inspiration for running A Force was your episode last year, so it's uh, it's awesome to see it come full circle like this. Oh yeah, thank you. Um, Jacob was originally going to do this episode, but then. Uh, it fell on me for the U.S. Times, and I was like, "Why wasn't I doing this episode to begin with?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So, is there anything you want to shout out? Are you content creator or anything like that? Um, I'm not personally, but I am a, a featured member on many Blackfire Productions battle reports, and so uh, check out Adam's YouTube channel there, Blackfire Productions. Uh, he runs a lot of great battle reports and. There's a few games on there now if you want to see how not to play She-Hulk. Uh, there's a couple of good examples of her getting blown up from 0 to 20 health. Uh, but he, he puts out a ton of great content. And uh, it's really, really new player friendly, especially to see how some of these characters and teams are played. So that's, that's what I would shout out. And uh, if you want to reach me and talk about A-Force... Uh, you know, I'm on most of the discords in the danger room or, uh, you know, the A-Force, uh, A-Force group on the fan page. Uh, my handle's just Curtis O, so nice and easy to find and always happy to talk A-Force. For sure. That's awesome. I second uh, Blackfire. I've, I've watched uh, a lot of Adam's content, actually, and uh, they're fun. He, he um, definitely leans more towards the, like, the theme, thematic uh, side of things, but that's fine. I mean... His table looks great. Um, his camera work is awesome. Like the games are fun to watch, and even like the post game battle reports are always interesting to listen to. So, definitely uh, second that for the listeners. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I learned the game watching his battle reports and then found out he lived 20 minutes away from me. So uh, when he started doing them again, I'm, uh, you know, usually try to get on once or twice a month now. So it's, uh, it's great if you want to watch something. Yeah, very beginner friendly. And uh, if you're getting into something for the first time, it can be pretty instructive. Yeah, I also, now that you bring that up, uh, Vince Chan also lives in that area. And I used to always watch his episodes on Blackfire and uh, I was because he was like a TTSer, and I liked his insight. And uh, now that I know that you're on there, I got to go watch your games. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't watch the A Force game versus Brotherhead unless you uh, want to see how not to play them. I think I brought Angela <laughs> too. So uh, that was the game. I just I, I just cut her from the list. I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Angela. But yeah, I feel you. All right, uh, that's going to wrap it up there. Curtis, I'd like to thank you again for coming on, and. Uh, That'll do it. See you next time, listeners.